my wife and I finally watched the uh, Jesus Revolution movie, and about 40% of it was about what I hoped it would be about. Um, and that is the, the Jesus People movement of the early 70s that really uh, started before we were born. I'm not that old. Um, but I'm super thankful for what it did because my parents, in their generation, Rebecca's parents and our church family in Portland, it was a huge factor. And I knew that I wasn't going to get through it without crying because for the last few weeks, God has been giving me visions of people coming to faith in Jesus. It's just interrupted my prayer time. And I believe that it is happening, and I believe that it is going to happen. I believe it is happening, and I believe it is going to happen. And you know that a lot of times it doesn't happen within the four walls of a building called the church. A lot of times it happens in the streets, it happens at the workplace, it happens at the schools, it happens in the parking lot. But a lot of times what we have seen throughout history, it happens where there are believers who are praying for it, believers who are building a net, believers who are preparing to care for those who would come in. In fact, Billy Graham often said that the altar response was directly proportionate, the numbers were directly proportionate to the number of altar workers who were trained. I also liked, in watching the movie, the Calvary Chapel tradition of, at the beginning of the message, they hold up their Bibles. you got a Bible, hold it up, you got it on your phone, your tablet, it's in your brain, you've memorized the whole thing so you didn't bring it, hold your head up. One of the things that they would do is they say, this is God's Word. Come on, say it with me, this is God's Word. I believe it. Let's open it together. God loves us. God speaks to us. How do we listen? God loves us. Friends, I'm here with you right now in this moment. I care about you more than the content of this message. I care about the content of this message helping you. Because I believe that God loves us. God saved us because He loves us. God speaks to us. God speaks to us because He loves us. How do we listen? Several weeks back, we we went to the story of Jesus, Matthew chapter 4. It said the Spirit led Him into the wilderness. It's a time of prayer and fasting. Next couple of Sundays, we're going to talk about what it means to be spirit-led. Spirit-led Jesus into the wilderness for time of prayer and fasting. And the enemy came to him. And the enemy has come to you. The enemy of your soul. Who is that? That's the father of lies, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus warned Peter about him crouching at the door. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Amen. The enemy comes to tempt Jesus, and he starts with this thing that's kind of like, hey, if you're this, you should do that. Have you ever had that, that kind of a thought? If you're this, if you're really all this, you should do that. But Jesus says this in response to him. 
Haven't you read in God's Word? People cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love bread. Actually, it's an everything bagel that I start the day with. It's a carrier of coffee. People cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's interesting because Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. What's going on in Deuteronomy 8.3 is the explanation of what God was trying to teach people. And he led them in freedom from the slavery in Egypt, which was a punishment for previous sins. He led them in freedom from that, and he led them into the wilderness. And he led them into a place where they didn't have baked bread, and they had meat. And the story says God gave you manna, because God was trying to help you learn the lesson that you can't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said. That's the lesson. Jesus connects it. He connects it. Life is a journey. City Harbor Church. Some of us are like ships in the harbor. And we've been battered by the storms. We're wondering when the restoration is going to come. Some of us are in the harbor and we don't understand why we can't get out. Some of us are in the harbor and it feels like thoughts and emotions are just this tangled mess of rope that we never know how we're going to be able to untangle it so that we can do the things that we want to do, that we're designed to do, and we're all tangled up. No matter where you are in that journey, this is a foundation of your answer. Mm-hmm. Check, check this out. Let's go to Psalm 119. What's the long, longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119. Love God's word. Watch this. Oh Lord, listen to my cry. Give me discerning mind you promise. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments. Oh Lord, I have longed for your rescue, and your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you, and may your regulations help me. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgotten your commandments. (laughs) Does that sound a little bit like a person whose life has kind of has some of that tangled mess of rope? But somebody who has a relationship with God, somebody who is involved, somebody who is invested. So the interesting thing is that Psalm 119 is actually written in such a way, the longest chapter of the Bible, to make it easier to memorize, to make it something that is a powerful message that's relevant to you. It's a Hebrew acrostic poem where there are 22 different stanzas of eight lines each, and they each start with a successive letter in the alphabet. A is for apples, B is for bananas, C is for chocolate. 
And the first word of each of those groups starts with that next letter. And it's written that way because the person writing this poem, which by the way, down through history, millions of people have said, this is God's word and it's helpful to me. It's written in such a way to say, this is what I have found to be true about God, about the power of the life-giving God, and about God's word. I mean, it's quite a journey. The psalm goes all over the place. But a big part of what the psalm is talking about is the idea that there is scripture. There are words that God has said that are inspired, that are helpful for all people. Which we heard about, we talked about last Sunday. And you'll notice, and you already noticed in the lines that we've already read, that there's a bunch of different words for Scripture. I know a lot of us have interesting stuff going on on our phones right now. I hope it's tweeting lines from the message. I don't know, it doesn't really look like it. Maybe there's a game. I, I have a game on my phone that I really like. The point of this is that God loves us. God speaks to us. How do we Listen. So, the song gives us this idea that there is something called Scripture, God's Word. It, it's the idea that it is predictable, it's trustworthy, it's reliable. Think about this. You guys have seen me use this stool. And one thing about a stool, which really is a good analogy for life, is that there is a straight line that is reliable, that is trustworthy, that can handle my weight. Think about this. If God didn't give us this, would He be a gracious God? Now, I'm, I'm seriously asking, this is something I've really thought about. If God's all into freedom, which the Bible says that He is, What's up with this? Why has this got to be important to me? Hello? Anyone ever struggled reading this and like asked yourself these questions? I mean, I have. But if God had just set us out into life without something that was reliable, without some way to get to know Him, without Him already having started the conversation, it wouldn't be gracious. It wouldn't have been helpful. That would be cruel. Rebecca and I have been involved with helping a young lady who, as a child, her parents completely abandoned her. Set her up in a house, and her grandma would visit once a week with groceries. She had internet access, she had a laptop, she had a whole house to herself. But just a weekly visit for groceries. She had serious challenges with communicating with other humans. With receiving love. With understanding life. And we helped her, Rebecca poured hours and hours and hours, got her to the place where she was loved, she was with people, and got her GED, and got a job, and 
even though she didn't need money per se, had a life of freedom and joy. If God hadn't given us a start of the conversation, it wouldn't have been gracious. God loves us, God speaks to us, and how do we listen? So I want to just clarify, we're going to talk today briefly, how do we love God's word, how do we love what God has said? If we love a person, we love, we want to learn whatever's coming out of their mouth. If we love God's word, it is to learn, to obey, to value, and enjoy. Now, what is God's word? It's this Sorry, I think I got my... Okay. Real quick, I want to clarify. I thought I had this on the slides. I didn't. The early church felt the need. You see it in Acts chapter 15. They gathered in Jerusalem to say, okay, which of all the writings is definitely inspired by God and helpful for all humanity? And then we've seen since this a number of times that Jesus' followers have gotten together with the same question. You may have heard of the Nicene Council, and there's been others. But there was a similar one around the time that we were born that was gathered in Lausanne, Switzerland. Representatives of Christianity from 150 nations got together so that there wouldn't be just a European or a white-centered statement of doctrine. And the Lausanne Covenant is a part of what we believe as a church. And I found that the statement about the Bible to be really helpful. Here's what it says. We affirm the divine inspiration, truthfulness, and authority of both the Old and New Testament scriptures in their entirety as the only written word of God. Without error in all that it affirms and the only infallible rule of faith and patience. We also affirm the power of God's word to accomplish his purpose of salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The message of the Bible is addressed to all men and women. For God's revelation in Christ and in scripture is unchangeable. Through it, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit still speaks today. He illuminates the minds of God's people in every culture to perceive its truth freshly through their own eyes and thus discloses to the whole universe, church, evermore, the many-colored wisdom of God. I'll have it in the notes. It'll be on the website. Many, many scriptures that back up that statement of faith. So if I'm going to love God's word, it's a realization that this is worth the pursuit of my life. God didn't just give us one statement that's good enough for when we're 9 years old or 12 years old or 14 years old. He gave us something that's actually worthy for me to dig into every day of my whole life. It's an inexhaustible resource. It never runs out. And it has something to say about a lot more than we think. So it, it should engage. It should excite the pursuit of a lifetime. The pursuit for your lifetime. Learning. Learning words are hard. Learning is hard. Check this out. Let's go to Psalm 119 for, for this love acrostic here for us today. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Don't you love that? That the, the guide for us in this psalm is asking God for help. 
And he's not blind. David's not blind. He can see. He's talking about, open my spiritual capacity to see it. When you go to the scripture, do that. Ask God, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. And then we get this passage that really has a lot to do with the journey of life. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. Listen, it's a journey that we need God's help in. We need, excuse me, God's help in learning. But what he's also saying here is God help me with this so that I don't mess up and mess up and break the relationship we have. You know what's not helpful in a relationship, particularly an intimate relationship, and when there isn't communication about what you should do to not jack things up. (laughs) Rebecca and I spent a lot of time with married couples. And we spent a lot of time with married couples on the subject of communication. We spent a lot of time with married couples where a big part of it is that one party is expecting the other party to know what's wrong. <laughs> and I understand where that comes from. They should, if they love me, they should know. I understand the heartbeat of where that comes from. But it's not gracious if you're not willing to communicate about how things could be different to provide a path of restoration, to provide some guidance about what you would prefer. I want to love Rebecca the way she wants to be loved. And boy, was it a hard lesson in my 20s that that wasn't the way I wanted to be loved. (laughs) And what this psalm is saying is, God, teach me your word so that I can know how to not mess up the relationship. Guide me. I'm your servant. Deal with me in your unfailing love. Teach me your decrees. Give discernment to me, your servant. Then I will understand. These are some powerful words that we can pray to ask God for help when it comes to learning the scriptures. Teach me your decrees. That phrase is, teach me, teach me, is repeated throughout the psalm. I spent a good amount of time studying this psalm, and this year was not the first time, but one thing that you notice is this plea for God, teach me. And what, what breaks my heart is when people stop, it's hard. It's difficult. I don't enjoy it. Are you asking God for help? Are you seeking for help, right? I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. The intellect is involved. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. I will meditate continually on your decrees. Look at these words on the screen now that we have seen in this psalm about the learning process. Read. Reading is important. Memorize. Justin spoke about that great last week, great illustration about it. Think, think. It's a whole lot easier to think about it if you've memorized it. Take it apart. Take it apart. Use your brain. Use your heart. Investigate it. Ask questions about it. That's easier when you memorize it. Then it's easier to meditate on it, which we heard about last week. And ask God for help. Ask God for help. 
What happens when the alignment of your car gets out? You start going a direction you didn't want to go. You can end up in places that are not helpful for you. When you see the word obedience in the scripture, let's talk about what that means. Okay? Because I know for a lot of us, particularly that are shaped by the culture we grow up in, this soup of music and entertainment and thoughts and education, this is a difficult thing. So let's ask questions about it. Let's think about what this means, okay? We get this verse, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I promise you once, I promise it again, I will obey your righteous regulations. Think about this. Justin asked the question about being on a deserted island. What if, you know where every year some people die in the forest from exposure to the elements because they get lost? One of the first things my dad taught me before I was even in middle school was what to do if you get lost in the woods. <laughs> Think about if you had a phone with unlimited power, unlimited excellent signal, that had a light, a flashlight, and your GPS directions to where you should go in life. Think about that. That's what this verse is saying, that this is. God, what you have said, it's a light for where I'm walking. It's worthy of the pursuit of your life. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. There's a lot of discussion right now about people that absolutely reject Things that are in scripture about how we should live and how we should not live. But that discussion lacks the spiritual discernment about this principle. Like it or not, believe it or not, God gives you life. And if God has given you life with intelligent design, a place in this world... That comes with identity, value, and purpose. But you know what it really comes with? Your need to say, God, I'm the lump of clay. You're the potter. This last year, this has been really difficult for me. It's been painful for me. So I went to the scripture and Job said, should I accept from God only that which is good? I had to come to you. Know, a real turnaround for me spiritually in November. I come to this place of God. I'm, my life is not my own. It's yours. Have your way with me. Whatever you want me to learn, whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, shape me, mold me, fill me, use me. in our culture wars of a hatred of what the Bible said, what God has said about how we should live lacks the understanding of this truth. God is the potter. We are the clay. Sometimes our pain is because of rebellion. 
The psalmist says, give me a helping hand for I've chosen to follow your commandments. It's asking for help. I'll keep on obeying your instructions. I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. There's a sentence a lot of people don't understand. I will walk in freedom because I have devoted myself to your commandments. His testimonies who seek Him with their whole heart. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. Here are the words. Obey is actually, I think, the word that is used most in this song. Obey. Here's what it means in different uh, context. Keep To keep the word. To keep it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to observe it. I'm going to preserve it. I'm going to guard it faithfully. And we see that particularly in this verse 8. I will keep your statutes. I will obey your decrees. That's two different English translations of the same original language words. I really appreciate this verse. Watch this. Look, Look at this real quick. Keep me from lying to myself. Have you ever lied to yourself? (laughs) I'm so good at that. Pain has a way of affecting our ability to accurately understand our reality. Pain, come on, how many times is celebrate recovery? How many times in dealing with life-altering stuff have we seen this to be true? When you're in pain, it really affects your ability to perceive what's real. Right? You're, how do you, how do you know, Jeremiah, God revealed to Jeremiah that the human heart can be deceitful. How do you know if you're deceived? God doesn't want you to be deceived. We're going to talk more about that later. Keep me from lying to myself. I love the honesty of this. Because we have all done it. And I've been there in the conversations with some of you. When you wake up to this, I've been fooling myself. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. And that knowing word is a learning with intellect and experiencing with the soul and learning with the emotion. It's an intimate word. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I've chosen to be faithful. I've determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. God is the one who is best qualified to help us understand reality. And how to find fulfillment in it here and now. God is the one who's the most qualified. And here's what I have learned. Submitting to God, obeying God, trusting God, that's coming into alignment. My life doesn't end. My wheels get into alignment. It's the power of surrender. When I surrender to God, the power. 
not somebody else, the potter. When I say, God, I'm the clay, you're the potter. That is the place of blessing. That is the place of healing. That is the place where God works things out. That takes quality time. Okay, we got to keep moving. Learn, obey, value. Okay, so we've, we've, done, we've done some of the really hard parts already, okay? Everybody breathe. God loves us. God speaks to us. How do we listen? There's a journey, a lifelong journey of learning. There is a, a decision that I'm going to obey. I'm coming into alignment. I'm surrendering that I'm reading the word with humility. That God has the best idea. God knows the best Four best results. Value. You know, um, I never, when I was young, I did not like life groups. It's okay, you can laugh. I know some of you feel the same way. But y'all need it. The first life group I can remember, the first mix, like multiple ages and genders, the host family had a pub. I don't know how pugs came into existence. They're interesting. One thing about a pug is that pugs snore. When they sleep, they snore. Has anyone else been around this? So I will never forget the first life group when you got to the quiet part of the life group. We're like, Lord, somebody wake up that person. And it was a pug under the chair of one of the homeowners. Now, this couple had moved to Portland from Romania because of the dictator Nicolae Ceausescu. After World War II, communist, communism had taken hold in Romania, and they had put forth a profound effort to stamp out all religion. And Nicolae Ceausescu particularly took this up as a campaign. He killed multiple Christians. He imprisoned multiple Christian leaders, some of whom I've met. He destroyed church buildings, and he was a book burner. He burned record numbers. He, some say that he imprisoned 35,000 people. And he was building buildings in the capital city to spell his name from the sky. Ceausescu is a long name. This is true, this is all history. And in that life group, I got to see what they did with some of the Bibles was not burn them, but recycle them. And I got to see a roll of dark brown, rough toilet paper that was a Bible. I got to see that myself. And I got to see the looks in their eyes for what that meant to them. Do we value God's Word? I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. You are my refuge and my shield. Your Word is my source of hope. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. 
Truly, I love your commands more than gold, even the finest gold. Each of your commandments is right. That family went back to Romania, opened up a bookstore in one of those buildings he built to sell his name, and gave away Bibles and sold Christian books. And for week after week after week, they would have to close an hour after they opened because they ran out of everything they had. I saw the video myself. I am firmly anchored to your instructions. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give my life, give me life through your word. You know I'm a podcast fiend. You know I like to stream things. You know for me, this weekend is a national holiday, it's the NFL draft. I love life and all the things we listen to. But what's so important is coming back to the question, do I value what God says more than anything else I'm listening to? All your commands are trustworthy. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Some of you have enemies, I know, we talk about it. You want to be wiser than your enemies? <laughs> your laws are my treasure, they are my heart's delight. I'm determined to keep your decrees to the very end. I stand in awe of your regulations. Do we have an awe at the value of Scripture? Oh Lord, you are righteous. Your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. You know what would be jacked up is if I fell right now because this stool is not trustworthy. <laughs> and you know what happens to some of us? That's why I actually don't like to sit on the stool with wiggles. It makes me nervous. <laughs> I might have a fear. I might have a fear issue. It's never fallen. You know what some of us do? I've got this new source, and I really rely on that a lot, maybe a little more than I should. Growing up, I had friends and people that said this about me, and they said that this is what I'm like, and they said that, that this is how I should think, and they said that if you think any other way, you're a hateful person. And, and so that's, those, those words really stick to me because back then I was really misunderstood and no one else seemed to love me, no one else seemed to care about me. And you know, I've had some really good times in nature and when I was in nature and out on my own, I had some thoughts and some ideas and you know, I really do believe that I'm smarter than anybody else. I would never say that, of course, I'd never say that. But when I, how I build my life, how I make my decisions, and, and actually now, after the past few years, as I've seen other people in the church, the way they've done stuff, I think I'm better than them. I think maybe I could change their behavior. I think maybe they should ask me how, how they should change their behavior. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right. And every Wednesday I have these feelings. And God gave me these feelings for a reason. And these feelings are definitely more right than anything I, I read on those pages that I don't agree with. That's not reliable. God gives us thoughts and feelings to be indicators to us, and they are helpful, but they're not supposed to be driving. They're not supposed to be holding this to Gideon just got a learner's permit. <laughs> When you're learning to drive, 
Understanding the steering wheel is kind of important. <laughs> are you resting on words that are reliable, trustworthy, valuable, prioritizing my life, prioritizing the Word of God above everything else? So, God loves us, God speaks to us. How do we listen to God? How do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Loving God's word is a really important part of this. The last one is enjoy. (laughs) But you know you can enjoy it. There's a sense of humor in the Bible. There's sarcasm in the Bible. There's a donkey that talks. Did you know that? The Bible says that Elijah tied his ass to a tree and walked 30 miles. Some of you, like a sense of humor, enjoy, have some delight. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. I have found happiness in Scripture. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands. How I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. I meditate on your age-old regulations. Oh Lord, they comfort me. Your decrees have been the theme of my songs. Wherever I have lived. The theme of my songs. That speaks to enjoyment. Delight. One of the things about scripture that's really important, let's take a lesson from video games. So video games have this thing we could call the degree of difficulty. And the video game makers are always having to tweak the degree of difficulty so that the maximum number of people will enjoy the game. And now, a lot of these games live online, and so they can actually tweak them as they get feedback from people. And a lot of games, some of you would be familiar with the word campaign. A lot of the the video games have a campaign. It's a storyline that you play through, right? And in the storyline that that you play through, the degree of difficulty is really important. Because, and that's why you can choose, are you a recruit? Are you, you know, how hard is the game going to be for me? Right? Because if it's, they realize if it's too hard, we give up. If it's too hard, we give up. That's what video game makers have, have decided. And so they give us choices. Guess what? God did not design this to be so difficult you give up. But here's a lesson that I found to be really helpful. God also did not design this to be a solo campaign. My, my people who play video games know what I'm talking about. Most of the New Testament, over 90% of the word, the times the word church is used, it's referring to a local church. That's us in this room. In the United States, there's a whole lot of it's me and Jesus and the universal church and the local church is devalued. And what we have is a whole lot of, I got this figured out. And not a whole lot of gracious humility can we come together like those of us have known each other for a while and can we like be honest about what we don't understand and can we be honest about what our questions are? Can we learn about this together? We 
lot of scripture that actually says that's how we should do this. And what I have found is that if we will take that approach, the degree of difficulty is not too hard. Yes. It's not a solo campaign. That was good. That was good. Man, that was good. Do you enjoy, do you delight in God's word? I think if we are approaching it as a solo campaign, it really takes the delight out of it. That's why we all went through the New Testament all together a couple couple uh, years ago. Watch this. I'm going to close uh, momentarily just real quick. This passage is still really important today, particularly to uh, Hebrew worshipers of Yahweh. Check this out. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. God, when I say, when I say the things that you say, it tastes sweet. To this day, in Jerusalem, where other military powers demolished the temple, which Jesus prophesied would happen, they have exposed a part of the foundation. It's what some of you have know as the Wailing Wall. It's not a wall, it's a part of the foundation that they've unearthed. And to this day, young Hebrew kids from America and other countries go there for bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. And to this day, this verse is a part of what they recite in Hebrew. And the moms are separated, depending on the sect of Judaism, for the most part, the moms are separated by a curtain from the proceedings. But when the young person gets to this passage, to this day in Jerusalem, they throw candy over the, over the curtain. Your words are sweet in my mouth. Once it hits your lips. I love your instructions. Your laws are wonderful. Watch this. I'm going to close with this one. As pressure and stress bear down on me. I need to say that again. As pressure and stress bear down on me. I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. God help us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. Thank you, God, for the scriptures that are life-giving. Thank you for the plain, simple truth we find there that's profoundly life-changing. Thank you that you give us a way to love you by listening to you, by learning, obeying, valuing, enjoying your words. Help us. We need help. We need guidance. Help us to come together in relationships and walk this journey out together instead of as a solo campaign. Let us find life in them. Let us share that life with others because your heart is that here and now in Baltimore City in 2023 that many people would come to the saving faith in Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for engaging this. Honestly, today in the notes I have probably seven messages worth of stuff. 
So when it gets posted on the church website, you can feel free to go for the scriptures and the quotes and all that stuff. Uh, make sure that you can find that. Well, we love you. So glad to be a part of this church family. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.